Charlie Penn. I'm Corey Murray. And you're listening to Yes, yes Girl. girl. Today's guest is the all-the-way real, around-the-way girl, Tasha Smith. Corey, I was legit mad I missed this. I felt it. I felt it all the way from the power you did not have in New Jersey, girl. You know I live for Tasha Smith. I know she gave a good word, didn't she? She does. And that day, Charlie Pan, let me tell you something. It was as if God was like, I need Tasha to speak to you directly. I... As we were chatting, she was so, she's a, so anointed. And I've told her that over the years, ever since I met her, when she first came on the, the scene and you have any, and you know her, yes. when you have any time with her, she really is a blessing. And she definitely speaks a word to you. And when we were talking, I forgot that, you know, this was for our millions of people who listen to us every month. And I was just like, oh my God, I have to share this with everyone. As much, as private as it was, and as, pointed as I took it, it was something for everyone to hear right now. I cannot wait to listen. Like, I cannot wait. You guys, I, my power went out. We had um, a little bit of hurricane. Um, Isaias, I feel like I'm butchering that, but y'all know, y'all saw on the news. It sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. Isaias. Oh, they were butchering it on our local news. Uh-uh. Okay. Something to with the Spanish. Okay. <laughs> And that, see, and my thing is, I love that we had a cultural name for this hurricane, in case nobody caught that. I caught it. It wasn't I was like, look at us. Look at us being people of color right now. Okay. Winning the world. But no, but seriously, I can't wait to listen. You said she gave a good word, though. Can I get like a little preview of what she was talking about? You know, it's interesting because... I mean, as you know, and we're going to, you'll hear it in the episode, you know, I have, and you know this, I have the, you know, we both share um, wrist tattoos and mine is Liv. And, but she kind of was a reminder, like you still, you have to keep living even in this pandemic, even as things are shut down. Um, she shared this great story, although it was incredibly sad because on her way to do our podcast, a dear friend of hers, a dear neighbor had passed away. And so she was, you know, she had thought about canceling, but the neighbor's partner said he wouldn't want you to, you have to keep living. And it reminded me of something that I've, you know, it's one of those phrases that your family member may say all your life. And it's something my mother has constantly said to me, life is for the living. Mm -hmm. And even in death, life is for the living. And she always tends tends to say that when you're grieving or if you're grieving too much, she's like, you, you better go out and live. It's like a it's like that re, in, in reminder that you still have breath in your body, and what are you going to do with it now? And I think okay, I know Tasha gave a word because look, we're just thinking all of these things. But I think too, Corey, that is why it's been so difficult right now for people to not be able to live the way they want to, because I think that message was received during this pandemic. Like everybody kind of woke up and was like, "Wait, I need to be living." But now we're, we, it's hard, right? So I think we need faith like this and a good word to remind us that as things begin to normalize again, we got to really just jump out there. Don't but walk, run. I agree with you. Um, and I don't want to give too much, away, too much away from the episode, but that's exactly what she was talking about. Because she said she was able to do things that she'd been putting off for 10 years. Yeah. Like, because she was in her house. Like she created, she turned her garage into a gym. 
Um, you know, she made herself a studio. Like she did all of these things that, yes, to your point, yeah, she can't go out into the beach and have all the, this kind of fun, which we kind of associate with living is, you know, basically going out and spending money or, or doing things. But she was like, she did some internal work and then she kind of looked at her personal space and she built that up. Yeah, and I think we've all really been digging into that. So I would say, ladies, let us know how you are embracing life to the fullest as best you can and as safely as you can. Hashtag Guest Girl Podcast. Like, what have you dug dug into? What did you do that you've been putting off for 10 years? Exactly, exactly. And then she also talked, Corey, about, like, switching it up, something about, like, careers. and Because, you know, Tasha Smith has, like, she's a multi-hyphenate. She is. And you know what? I kind of forget because I, I associate her, you know, first and foremost with being an actress. And now she's directing, you know, she's directing this episode of P-Valley, which is my new favorite show. I know we didn't get Girl. into that. I, oh, my yeah, God. P-Valley. Can we talk about it? Whew. Okay. Uncle Clifford. Whew. Mercedes. Oh, Team Mercedes. Mississippi. And you see how Mississippi changed up. I thought oh. she was just a quiet mouse. And, you know, really felt bad for her for the domestic violence thing. But now I'm like, oh. I see you about to turn your life around. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Yes, we, we got to do a spoiler alert because we're going to talk about P-Valley. Oh, that's right. We have to talk about P-Valley just a little bit. So finish what you were saying about okay. Tasha and the multi-hyphenate because then we can so, go into That's right, because she's a director. Um, but she also has like a whole ass Tasha Smith acting studio. Where I know, she's, she's in, like coaching actresses forever. Forever. And what I remember her talking about is that, you know, when you think like, oh, taking acting classes is because you want to be on screen, but sometimes you can take her classes just to build up your confidence, just to build up, let's say you're interviewing, just to build up how you, pro how you can project yourself better in the world. Um, because again, like I said, when you talk to Tasha Smith, you're getting a word. And didn't Mercedes on P-Valley go through her acting school? Did I read that somewhere? Well, you are definitely correct. She talked about that for a little bit, even how um, one day Mercedes, she was taking care of, I'm sorry, not Mercedes. Her name is Brandy Evans. Let me give her her full government name. <laughs> um, Brandy was, was, was a caregiver for her mother. And her mother was in like, so, not a wheelchair, but something a little more dramatic than a wheelchair mm -hmm. and she had to bring her <laughs> Tasha thinks it was like a mobile bed or something she said she literally rolled her mother into the studio and was like listen I really want to do my my scene work today but I'm clearly taking care of my mother so I'm gonna do my work and leave and Tasha was like you could have just kept your mom at home but she but, but she said Brandy was that dedicated to doing her work and doing it well and look at what we got out of it. Mercedes. I have loved Mercedes. Okay, y'all, we about to go in on P-Valley. So if you are not caught up, spoiler alert. Okay, spoiler alert. Press, press fast forward because we're going in because it's everybody's new favorite show. It is everybody's new favorite show. I saw, um, you know, that everything. Danielle Quating, um, you know, who used to work with us and now over at Teen Vogue, she tweeted. She was like, okay, I finally watched it. Now I see what y'all all talking about. And I was like, told you told you it's so damn good and i think i just love i know people are like empowering but i think it's amazing to see the family that these women have created at the strip club how they care about each other love each other and encourage each other to pursue their dreams and to kind of get a better situation than the one that they're in and i love the family element of it so much like i didn't expect that and uncle clifford like i just want to they're his daughters right like, totally. I love it. And then I also realized 
in Chescaloosa, I'm saying it right, y'all, let me know in Mississippi, but in Chescaloosa, that the strip club is the epicenter of their community. Like you see bachelorette parties, men, divorcees, like it's where they get together. No, I actually, I went to the virtual premiere and Uncle Clifford, who's played by Nico Anon, was explaining, uh, he's from Detroit, but he said, same thing, like the strip club, like you said it perfectly, is the epicenter. So he said he's gone to strip clubs for baby showers. Yeah. Or like you said, bridal things. It's not this taboo place. Um, and people really love to celebrate there. One other small thing I love about it, and granted, this was in the first episode there's a scene where Mercedes is laying on the couch and she's in the private room with little murder. And I'm thinking, Oh guy, something about to go down. I'm thinking it's going to be one thing, but he was basically letting her hear his music. Yes. And he, he didn't want her to bless it. it. He said he need, exactly. And she was like my artistic integrity. And it reminded me of going back years ago. I remember reading a really in-depth article um, about the strip club culture in Atlanta and that how I believe it was future how he got his start because he had to have the strippers play his music. Yes, and I didn't know that. And that's something I learned from watching Key Valley. I did not know until I was however years old today, the day I learned that a stripper has to bless a track, especially like in that vein, like hip hop in the community before it can even hit the radio airwaves. Exactly, you know? exactly. You know? I knew, but I knew that because um, it was this article about Future and how he became so popular. And I think he, I think they were even talking about 2 Chain. Basically, all of the rappers out of Atlanta, the reason they were able to become national is because of the work they put in having their music play at the strip club and that there was another level of money that you would pay a stripper if she would bless your music. But I like that uh, Mercedes had to give her autistic, I mean, her audio blessing. Oh, yeah. Her artistic, her artistic blessing on it first. Because she was like, this ain't bouncing. I can't do it. Yeah. And he kept trying. I love it, too, because he was like, he wasn't defeated. What did okay? he call it? Trap reggae soul? Yeah. <laughs> Little murder is funny. Little murder. With, with his cannabis butter. But we'll talk. But I, speaking of artistry, though, I think what I'm also really enjoying as, as a former ballet dancer, former dancer, these women, they're like, y'all don't laugh. I mean it. They're like angels. Like they're like, like floating goddesses on the pole. Like when Mercedes went all the way up to the top and I mean the acrobatic glory of it all, like it's art. When, and I hope spoiler alert, cause I don't know where we are in the season um, right now. Uh, cause I did go a, a bit ahead cause I was so pressed to finish watching it. But I do love when, you know, Mercedes gets caught up with her mama. That okay. damn Patrice Woodbine. Anyway, Patrice Woodbine can make Ooh. me miss me. Ooh. That's a whole. That's a that's whole other thing. Drama. But when uh, Mississippi had to come in and take Mercedes' spot, and talk, you know, you talk about the dancing, but I'm also talking about the cinematography because the way that blue light oh. illuminated her skin, and as she was spinning, I mean, like you said, like it was, it was art. It really it was. was a beautiful ballet. Um, and it was just gorgeous. It was just gorgeous. She was Beyonce up there, period. Yeah, yeah. Like that to everybody in that community, that's what she was in that moment. Every time they say, am I crooked letter, crooked letter, I'm already just singing it. But anyway, if you guys aren't watching P-Valley, you absolutely must. We stand. You can talk to us about it on Twitter or wherever because Corey and I are always involved and ready and excited. I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait. wait. I know she blessed it. She blessed it, and now she's about to bless us with this word. So up next, you're going to hear Tasha Smith. 
I'm good, and I know you're like a whole icon, star, all of that. <laughs> but I am so into P Valley right now, and you <laughs> directing this episode. Um, okay, all right. I just wanted yes. to say that first. I wanted to get that. I had to get that energy out for me because I, I, I love, love P Valley. I'm obsessed, and I was there, sis. I was there. And what Katori created in the world of Chuckalisa, okay, Mississippi, like, honey, it's amazing. Oh my God! Oh, all right, okay. First, let me talk about you, because first okay. I'm gonna run through these receipts because they're Let's long. Uh, okay, uh, and I gotta say a proper shout out to Charlie Penn, my co-host. Her, your New Jersey girl. She is not yes, here. Sir. The storm took out the power in her beautiful house. Really? So, yeah. It, so she's just storming like that out there, right? I can't believe it. Yeah, I mean it's beautiful today, but yesterday it was really real. Oh my god! <sighs> so she's really well, heartbroken. Well, tell her I'm sending her some love, okay? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, but Tasha, you have appeared in over 25 films since 1994 which and some of them are our faves, ATL, Daddy's Little Girls, Couple Retreats, Why Did I Get Married 1 and 2, Jump in the Broom, Addicted. And then you've done over 20,000 TV shows, including The Corner, For Better or For Worse, Nick Tuck, Girlfriend, The Games. And you were directing When Love Kills, the Felicia Blakely story, episodes of Star, 911, Black Lightning. And now you're going to do P-Valley, which the world's about to see in a few weeks. But also you have like a whole acting class studio that you run. Yes. And then you're just a whole testimony in yourself. So I we've we've covered you. We have literally covered you. You've had an essence cover. We fell in love with you from the moment we saw you. But please just get us up to date on what you've been doing, how you've been handling this pandemic, how have you been centering yourself? What's new with you? Well, first of all, I was I was in the middle of prepping a, a new series for Amazon that I was up to direct called uh, Harlem, which I will go back to direct once this whole craziness is over. So I was in New York prepping, pandemic hit, they closed down everything, sent us all home. I was packed in New York for like three months because I was doing a TV show, a movie, I mean, just back to back. I came home, sis. I didn't unpack my luggage for about two to three weeks because I thought that it's about to be over. I could keep my luggage packed. I'll be headed back to New York to go back to work. Cut two, never left, okay? I started cooking every day, Corey. Corey, I just decided I'm gonna have a vacation. I was making pasta, crab, all kinds of stuff. And after a month, I gained damn near 20 pounds, I felt like. So then I decided clean Can up. Can we have a moment for the pounds? Let's just have a moment for the pounds. I it heard it, it some, is what it is. Listen, it was crazy. I heard someone saying while I was in the middle of feeding my face, right? They were like, well, honey, you may need to have six feet distance away from the refrigerator. That's what you need to quarantine from, okay? But sis, it was all good because I needed that rest time, but then it motivated me to clean out my garage. That, you know, I've been in my house for 12 years. 
I've never cleaned out the garage. I cleaned out the garage and I created the most beautiful gym. I have Equinox in my garage. So that was motivating. So for me, I just decided to start doing things that I wasn't able to do because I was so busy, you know, cleaned out my garage, cleaned out my acting studio because I knew that we weren't coming back to class anymore. And I basically have launched T-Saw online that we're actually, well, it's launching tomorrow. So okay. I'm excited about that. So T-Saw is no longer going to be in class. It's going to be all online, global and worldwide. And so I've just been creative, working with my school, developing my projects and in the gym. <laughs> well, at least you've been in it. It's funny when you said you created a gym, I thought you meant G-E-M. And I thought you were going to say, like, I've created well, a, a studio. I've created yeah. this. Or, well, I, it, that is a GEM, though. It's a gem, too. True, it's a true. gem and it's a gem, okay? <laughs> but I totally you know, relate to you about avoiding things. I've been in my condo for 10 years, and there is stuff that I realized I have avoided for 10 years, like little pockets of papers and everything. And this pandemic self-isolation has, has made me face those things and get rid of stuff. And I feel clearer. Right. Exactly. I mean, honestly, I feel more motivated, I think, than I've ever felt. And I've just been able to be with myself, develop and finish working on projects that I wasn't given the proper time to and just loving on myself. I was just telling a friend today, I was like, we can't quit. We can't give up. We have to not only keep faith in God, but we also have to keep faith in ourselves, our friends and colleagues, our community. You know what I mean? This pandemic is rough. You know, we may go in and out sometimes, but it's important for us to know that this too shall pass in whatever way it passes. Maybe the passing of it is going to be us learning how to live with it and not being in fear, but because of it, you know, because wasn't the first three, four weeks like fear, 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 fear. But now we're learning how to cope. No, you're right. Because I think we were all like, what is this? And I had personally, I had avoided watching Contagion. Um, oh, until we were like at home, I'm crazy. Yeah, and I, when I finally watched it, it was like, oh, this is this is it. This is how this is gonna play out. Okay, and that kind of reset my mind because I was, you know, I was doing the things, but it was just seeing like how this can play out long term. Just really uh, set the foundation for me of like, okay, we got to be a little more protective of the family. No, I feel mm -hmm. you. I feel you. Yeah. But speaking of one other perk with the pandemic is been the binging of amazing at home entertainment. Yes. And right now, P Valley, which I'm going to be full disclosure when I heard, because I always knew that the title was really Pussy Valley. And I was like, oh, what is this? Oh, my God. What? I don't, I don't want to be bothered. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, no, this is real. This is deep. This is some storytelling we haven't seen before. Tell me your first reaction to Katori Hall's groundbreaking series. Well, first of all, I, I'm a fan of Katori Hall. I, I remember I got a chance to first experience her work when my close friend Angela Bassett had starred in Mountaintop on Broadway. And that was my first 
experience and introduction to Katori. It's interesting because, you know, Angela is a director as well. And she was up to direct P-Valley. But she it, it it her schedule didn't work out. So she then mentioned me to Katori and said, why don't you think of Tasha Smith? Because she knows this world. She just did a documentary on stripper culture. She was a former stripper. She's killing it as a director. That's who should direct that episode. And so then I had a meeting with Katori and she sent me all the material. And I have to tell you, when I got the scripts and the outlines and just the backstory, it was like a good book that I could not put down. The writing, I was like, I didn't know if I wanted to just direct or if I wanted to act and direct, okay? Because I was like, damn, this is some good stuff. Like her writing is layered. It's like an orchestra of the best music and sounds and instruments that you've ever heard. The harmony, the colors, the nuances, the world that she's created. I mean, I was gagging over Pussy Valley, okay? (laughs) Gagging over it. And to get an opportunity to direct an episode and work with one of my students, Brandy Evans, who is Sadie's, who is absolutely killing it. Killing it. And Nico Annan, who is Uncle Clifford, who is um, a breath of fresh air. Okay? His quotes alone. He could have a whole, he could have a whole just Twitter feed of quotes. I don't know if he's cognac or champagne. Okay? I mean, my God, he's a revelation. And so is she. And I got to tell you, it was a great experience. It was great to be a part of something so brown great brown groundbreaking and um interesting it's just interesting i love it it's funny you say that because it isn't you know it i mean we all tell different stories but this one is so specific but then it's like you say it's so layered that you may think like oh you know and another reason i'm just going to speak honestly because i was not you know not into stripper culture i'll be honest i didn't go to my first strip club till about uh maybe um, a year ago and i remember i was there putting up giving money i first only did 40 dollars because i was like i'm not giving that much money i'm just not um and and i remember i went to try to get changed for a 20 and the and the girls were like we only give out 100 she was like you can go try the atm machine but all that to say i went into it all wrong but after it, I got kind of more interested in it because I was like, well, what are these women doing? What are their lives? And then then enter P-Valley and really watching it. And like you said, like, you know, we get a, I get advanced screening. So I figure, let me just watch one or two. Next thing you know, episode three, episode four. It's two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I might as well just finish the series. I might just go. I just might as well just do it. Uh, it's so good. It's and so you know, good. I've read all of them and I still... Every Sunday, I have my popcorn, my red vines, and my champagne, okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I am like, it's like I don't even know what's going to happen because I'm discovering so many things new with the performances and the world and the visuals, the, the talented 
you know, female directors that she brought on. It's just, it's just, Katori kicked ass. Can you tell Bottom. us a little bit about when you met uh, Brandy Evans, who plays Mercedes? Because I was reading her story and her testimony alone, her personal life testimony is really something. And then I was reading something. They said literally she was at the end of her rope and she was just like she walked into your acting class. Yeah. Well, when she came into my my studio, she um, she was just broken and vulnerable. And I said, that's the best place to be to create art, broken and vulnerable. You know, our art is sometimes created through the darkest part of us and sometimes through the brightest, lightest part of us. And fortunately, she came to a place that would nurture her and help her find a way to place the pain in a creative uh, space. You follow what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, Brandy has been through so much. I fell in love with her because she was so pure. And I remember her mother had gotten sick and she had flown her mother to California. And when she, she had a stroke and when she finally got her mom here, she still wanted to come to class. One day I came to class and Brandy was rolling her mom in, you know, in like a, like a wheelchair bed. Okay. Because she wanted to put her scene up. She was like, how y'all doing? I'm sorry, but I had to bring mama today. So as soon as my scene is over, I'll, me and mama going to leave. Uh, is it okay for mama to be here? I'm like, well, she's right in the aisle. Here. But okay, we're going to get this scene done. But it just shows her passion and her willingness to keep pressing, pressing, pressing and refusing to let anything get in her way. I am so proud of her. And she deserves it, Corey. Like every bit of this opportunity, she deserves it. She is a hard worker. She's pure, she's innocent, and she's she's been broken. You know what I mean? She's mm -hmm. had a lot of experiences and I am so happy for her. I cannot even begin to tell you. Oh my God. Whew, that's such a tell. We're going to have to get her on the show and have a whole other thing. And maybe we have you, you guys back it. together you and do it. That's oh, like no. part two. Part, that's going to be like part three of this conversation. Yeah, she's okay. Amazing. She's amazing. So in the episode you direct, I'm not going to give away, but you direct Loretta Devine. Ooh. Listen. <laughs> Her dancing. Oh, oh, tell me about, tell, just tell me about that. Did you love it, sis? I loved it. First of all, I called Loretta. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I did a movie with her, Jumping the Broom. Yes. And, you know, she's, her and I are very close. And we were seeing people. And I said to Katori, I was like, this is Loretta. Okay. I was like, you want to call her? You want me to call her? You know, and you know, sometimes you're having issues with the agents and the people. I said, I'm calling her right now. I'm sending her the script and I'm going to ask her to do this so her and I can play. I gave her a call. She was like, well, just send it to me and let me see what's happening with it. She loved it. She oh loved God. it. She was like, oh my God, Tasha, this is so much dialogue. What you doing to me, girl? You know, I was like, I got your back. And she came down, her professionalism, her wisdom, her talent was everything we needed mm -hmm. to make that role come alive. I mean, working with her was like a, dream 
It was just like a dream. I enjoyed every second of it. I was in tears, actually. I was like, I am literally here directing my friend. This yeah. is amazing. Oh, it was delicious and it was divine. <laughs> literally, because for me, I took, you know, it was one thing for her to, we're not giving too much away, but she's Uncle Clifford's grandmother. And as she's in the the Pea Valley, the, well, I'm sorry, the paint comes, was, get, you know, um, gifted to him through right. her. It was like a juke joint. Or it, it was, was like a juke joint. joint. You know, but she did music and all that. And, and, yes. um, and yeah, and she gave it over to her, her grandson, who's been having a hard time keeping them bills paid. You know yeah. what I mean? And but so... But it was interesting to as she was having her memories of the, the club and the music and what she went through. And then I think you cut to there's an old an older picture of her. Um, and I'm and then seeing her at a, and her younger self. I'm reminded of like, wow, this was Loretta Devine's life just in that she came up through Broadway. Like, I think a lot of people forget that she was uh, a Tony. You know, you know, she's she's a singer. That she, yeah. you know, she she started yeah. on the stage as a Broadway star in Dreamgirls, yeah. and um, you know, so she has that she has that memory, she has that movement, um, yeah. which, but you know, but you brought it out, and I don't know, it was just really, it just was a really nice memory um, to relive uh, oh, for oh, a second. That's amazing! I'm so glad. I mean, it was a beautiful time. We had a great time, and and um, I can't wait for people to see it two things about P Valley we can move on, but like what character do you probably resonate the most with being that this is a story, parts of this story of the series does resonate very closely to you. Wow. Which character? I feel like I'm a little bit of uh, of Mercedes and uncle Clifford. Ah! <laughs> I can see that. I swear. I feel like, I'm a little bit of both of them. Like uh, each, uh, all of them are working from um, a place of great need. You know, everyone's in a survival place in space. You know what I mean? And I feel like I, I know what that feels like and looks like. And so to be honest, a lot of them I can relate to because I feel like there have been many moments in my life where I felt like I was constantly in a in a survival mode, you know, fighting to survive, you know, and and it was interesting. I'm seeing it, especially for my episode, which was called Legacy, just really fighting for their legacy. You know, whether it was Mercedes, whether it was Uncle Clifford and you know, his grandmother, you know what I mean? But everyone's in this survival mode fighting for what their legacies are. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I can relate to a lot of them, to be honest. <laughs> you know, what I, um, the episode prior to yours, um, you know, spoiler alert for people, but there is the scene, and I'm not giving too much away, that Mercedes and her mother, whoo, and that's a whole other side side show we can do. We can do the backstory there, that series. Right. Uh, but they, when they're in the, you know, they end up in jail together. Right. And there's this, basically a testimony in the jail cell, you know what I mean? Where she goes, the mom, Patrice, goes around and asks everybody what they're there for. 
And I was chatting with my producer and saying like the, the scene was so resonant because it just made you confront, well, no matter how hard you, how hard you've been in life or whatever thing you've had to do and you're embarrassed about it now, the fact that you have to confront it and forgive it and forgive yourself or forgive someone else, that scene was just so beautiful. So I'm curious, was there anything in your life that you've had to confront or forgive or confront and, and forgive? Damn near everything. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Damn near everything in my life. Okay. I feel like we're still, we're constantly, the more we evolve, the more we, you know, I think it comes out of our ability to confront. You know what I mean? Like when we confront things, we are able to move past things and we're made, we're able to evolve. You follow what I'm saying? So yes. I if we want to grow, then con confronting and forgiving is part of that system of growth. You follow what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I don't think we can grow as people without confrontation and without forgiveness. Oof. Amen to that. Amen to that. All right. One last question about P-Valley, speaking okay. to you as a director, and, and yes, you have directed other things, but what is that thing as a director, what is that moment on set or that moment on screen where you've like, I've done that, I just did that? Like, what, what is that thing that you are like, you, you've, you've wrapped, what is that, is there a message, is there a feeling that you try to convey through directing, and what was that moment in directing this particular episode of P-Valley? The legacy episode. No, you know, it's almost like when everything's, when the vision is all coming together. It's like when the camera's landing where you need it to land, when the production design is doing what you need it to do, you know, when the actors are, are doing what you need them to do, or they're okay with the choreography that you've created for the scene. You know what I mean? Doing episodic television, you know, it can be a little more challenging than when you're doing a feature or your, you know, your own movie, an independent movie, because you're working within the parameters of their time, you know, and, um, and respecting the story, like you're there to serve, you're there to serve the story, you're there to serve the writers and the producers, you know, and you don't always have a lot of time to be able to do that, you know, so you have to be prepared. Um, and so I try to be as, as specific as possible when I'm working um, on an episodic so that I don't have to try to figure it out once I get there, but I'm already, I figured it out already. And if anything has to happen outside of that, then that's because spiritually on a creative level, that's what's supposed to happen. So you have to kind of yield and trust, you know, but when you see that everything came together, you know, even better than what you planned, yeah. then you're like, okay, this is working. Like even down to the dance moment with uh, Loretta, I worked really hard on that. You know what I mean? On us getting the moments of that, you know, right. And that whole use it, utilizing the whole space in her home. You know, we didn't have a lot of time, but I had setups. I had moments that I was trying to capture, you know, and then the actors have to trust you because if you have specific blocking to get a certain shot, 
it's like you're gonna like it if you trust me you know and working with someone like loretta it was a blessing because she's such a professional that she distrusted the process and you know she allowed me to do what i what i intended and and she helped me a lot her and nico really helped me a lot to make those moments come alive and i was i was very grateful like as a director and i always tell my actors this in my studio i'm like your job is to really allow the director to be the potter and you're the clay mm -hmm. you know and and i try to instill that in the actors i work with to trust the process and trust the leadership of their director you know so when you are able to work and it's a collaborative effort and everyone is is in a space of trust and love and collaboration it's the most beautiful feeling it's just it's the most invigorating feeling it's like a it's like you get addicted you know like i dream about directing i dream about it you know what was the moment for you because you know you were you were really there. You were you were beyond as an on-screen actress. So what happened? I mean, well, what what was the turning point for you to like? I want to step behind the camera, or is this always well, a dream? Well, it was always a dream, but also teaching acting every week. You know, a lot of people don't understand that part about me. Um, you know, I feel like I've some people may have criticized me for it on a creative level where you know as far as being a teacher they may look at me as a teacher and then they may not necessarily respect me you know as as a director and then actor they think well you're just focused on teaching no i'm not teaching is my community service to actors within our community i care about the black artists I feel like it's part of my purpose. And in me giving back to my community of artists, I was able to fine tune my instrument as an actor and as a director. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, and yes. for every week for 15 to 20 years, unless I was on set filming or shooting, you know, I was directing and I got the bug and I said, I need cameras in the room. I need cameras in here to capture some of this shit. You know what I mean? And so um, that desire and that passion, it just, it wouldn't go out. It was burning and burning and burning. And then finally I got my shot in When Love Kills. I mean, I directed my, my short film before that. And then When Love Kills came along and I was able to do that. And then that opened up other doors. But, you know, I feel like when you have, you know, other, you know, sometimes people put limits, limitations on us as artists. Yeah. They try to box us in and yeah. they try to make us feel like, well, you only do that or you only do this. When we're artists, we're here to create yeah. on many levels. You know, whether it's comedy, whether it's drama, whether it's acting, whether it's directing, whether it's painting, whether it's music, you know, whatever it is, when you're an artist, you have to create. And I'm not going to let anybody put any limitations on me. I'm doing everything. I'm acting. I'm directing. I'm teaching. I'm producing. I'm developing. And then I'm going to travel and have fun in the in between time whenever this damn pandemic is over. 
Okay. You don't work out in your gym and drink your champagne. You know, but I just enjoy all aspects of artists, artistry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Wow. Thank you for that. What do you say to women who are trying to muster up the courage for their dreams? Like you've been very honest about how this pandemic has really nurtured you and made you push yourself forward. But what do you say to those women who maybe don't have that encouragement or don't have that strength or don't have that confidence to move forward? What do you say to those women who are trying to muster up the energy to realize their dreams? I have a few things to say. I'll say one, if you don't live now, you might not live later. That's one, Mm. like on Mm. my way here, um, I've had a neighbor across the street for 12 years. And as I was on my way to my studio to have this interview with you, he passed away in his home. Right. And I was hugging his son and hugging his wife and crying with them as I was putting things in the car. And for a hot second, I was like, wow, I'm so sad. My buddy is gone. Right. And then Miss Naomi, his wife said, you know, he'd want you to go keep doing what you're doing. Right. And I said, you know what? Yep. That's him. Life is for the living. And Mm -hmm. so when you look at everything that's going on, you know, you have buildings blowing up. You have relationships breaking up. You have people losing family members. And to the person with the dream, I say, what do you have to lose. When you're in a world with all of this stuff going on, all we have are our our dreams. That's all I got. All I have is the dream and the vision that God placed in my heart. So, all right. So now am I going to just allow myself to be paralyzed by everything, by the pandemic, by the fear of pursuing my dream. So I'm just going to tap out and stand still and not have any movement. There's a scripture that says your footsteps are ordered by the Lord. Guess what? They can't get ordered if you don't take the step. And not only that, and I've been saying this for years, Corey, you may have written it down in something or heard me say it, but I believe that our dreams are not just figments of our imagination. But I really believe that it's God showing us a glimpse of our future. And one thing I must say about this pandemic is that it's made me dream bigger and it's made me pursue harder. It's made me fight more. It's made me dig deep. I'm just, it has awoken everything in me yeah and to me that's what it's for it's not to paralyze us and to stop us and block us it's for us to take the time to write the vision down whatever it is that we desire to do write it down put it up on the wall write it down wherever you can see it feel it 
and pursue it because we don't have anything to live to lose. You live today, but you could die tomorrow. And yeah. if you don't live hard, you might not live to live. Oof. You follow what I'm saying? God is speaking to you through to me. Yes. He's speaking live through, yes. to live. Live to live. Mm -hmm. Live to live. Mm -hmm. Pursue to live. Like, I believe that our dreams and our, our pursuing of those things are the very things that keep us alive. Yeah. It's the very thing that keeps us motivated mm -hmm. and keeps us moving and energized. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We can't quit, sis. No. We cannot quit. So whatever it is, kick fear in the ass and pursue it with all you got. Whew. You hear me? I, I, I heard it. I received it. Yo, sis, I, was, I said goodbye to the man that lived across the street from me for 12 years on my way here to talk to you. Mm. Mm. He can't live anymore. No. No. He can't pursue his dreams anymore. Yeah. He can't pursue his passions anymore. Mm -hmm. But guess what? You can mm -hmm. and I can. So while I'm living, I'm going to live to live. I'm going to do everything I want to do. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I have a uh, live tattooed on my, in, on my inner uh, wrist as a reminder to do just what you're, what you're saying. Whoa. because. As you Jeez. go in here, I know, I just was like, as much as I'm here breathing, but I was like, you need, but it's that reminder to, to live though, not just go about, because we get so used to that routine, but this reset, you know, has really made me like, no, what do I want to do that makes me happy? What do the, what do I want to do that brings me joy? What do I want to, makes my spirit smile? And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do at least one of those things every day. And I just pushing it to the weekend or whatever. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Thank you so much. This, was so this is not just for me, but this is for our audience. You. Oh. Mm. Well, I'm so excited about it, and I and that's why even for me, you know, just to talk about T-Saw online for a second. Yeah. Because when the pandemic happened, I was li I, I literally just before everything else shut down. I shut down my school, right? Because I didn't want anyone to get sick. I didn't want people to come into this space and to get sick, right? So I shut it down. I've I've had like four to five classes every week for six years, seven years, okay, in my studio. And so all of these actors are now like out there with no home and no space and no you know, creative community that they're a part of. And I was just toiling like back and forth, like, what should I do? Should I make the transition or should I give it to somebody else to do? Cause you know, like what, what, what's my next step? And then I said, and this is a part of me that, you know, I know how much I love actors, you know? I love actors. I love actors. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. My students mean so much to me. I could be on set 
doing the biggest movie of my life. I could be directing the most important scene, but if one of my actors are going through something, I'm going to always find time to support them, to make sure they're good. It's almost like I feel like a mama, auntie, and sister all across the board, right? And I said to myself, I said, if you don't make the transition to teach them some bootleg bitch is, okay? <laughs> I was like, I don't need no bootleg bitch coming over here trying to take advantage of these vulnerable spirits of creative energy because mm -hmm. some people, everybody might not, you know, love them like you love them. I feel like they're my children. So I said, you know what? All right, I'm going, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start T-Saw online. And I was excited about it because I said, all the actors that I've worked with in London and Africa and Chicago and Jersey and New York and Atlanta and Miami that have been emailing me saying, I wonder you coming to Miami to do a workshop. I wish I could come to LA for a month to work at TESOL. Now it's a global worldwide online school and they get to meet each other. I mean, it's like now they're going to have relationships with each other. It's like a community. You know what I mean? You're going to learn. You're going to meet people. You get to work with different people. And then when this pandemic is over, you get to visit countries and places that you've never seen because you now have an actor friend that you men and T saw online. I was just excited about all the possibilities of it. I have an amazing Black staff of incredible teachers. It is, it's funny when I was redoing my website, um, the person that was doing my website had thrown all these people up there and was like, well, it should be multicultural. And you know, you need white, you need black, you need Spanish, you need Asian, you need this, you need that. I was like in 20 years, I think I've only had one or two white actors that have come to my studio. I said, it's black. It's, it's black. black and it's okay. <laughs> I was like, I haven't had too many people to come, you know what I mean, that were not African-American. And I was like, you know what? I'm good for it to be Black. If other people want to come, come. But guess what? I've been serving the Black community of artists. The next Issa Rae's, the next Brandy's, the next Brandy Norwood, the next, you know, Lance Gross, Eamon Joseph, Mary J. Blige, you know, Andrew Day, Lauren London. I mean, I'm just so excited about the talent that I'm going to be a part of helping them grow and pursue their purpose in the arts and create an amazing life and career for themselves. That's my legacy. I remember meeting you early on and, and learning about TESA. And I remember I, uh, bringing up to the Essence team that you should come in and teach one of your empowerment sessions Ooh, to the girl. staff. I love that. I know we should probably, we should talk offline about having you do it virtually. Have one. I would love that. I would yeah. love, I would love it. Cause we need okay. some motivating right now. Let's Woo. do it. Let's make it happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. So that's what we're going to do. Yes. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Okay. Oh my God. I could talk to you forever, but we definitely going to do a part two. Cause we okay, need an episode sure. after your, uh, we need a, an, a yes girl episode after your episode of P Valley airs. We're going to get you and Brandy on this, on the show and best. And definitely we're going to be back with Charlie because she is so heartbroken that she's not talking to you right now. Uh, well, you give her my love and you tell her everything I said. I will. She's going to hear all of this. This, this okay. whole episode needs to be a t-shirt. 
Oh, sis. Well, I love oh. you and I thank you for everything. Okay. I love and you. And let's stay focused and let's go get it. We go and get it. Woo, it's got. Okay. Stay tuned for a sneak peek of next week's episode with Brittany Luce and Eric Eddings of The Nod. When you're making a daily show that's somewhere in the six to seven minute range, you're like, can I cover this in in seven minutes? Like, is this possible? How do we um, go there? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we were we were able to make two episodes that we as a team were really proud of. Um, and that and that, you know, we've gotten some some good feedback about um, that. I still felt like we were able to go deep in and capture those conversations. The following day, we had an interview with Ian Field Stewart who is um, the founder of this amazing mutual aid group called um, the Okra Project. And, yeah. and what they do is they're basically feeding Black trans people um, who may have food insecurity, people who just want to eat well um, mm-hmm. and giving them fresh, healthy food that is, you know, I guess in pre-COVID times cooked by Black trans chefs. And they've also started like mental health funds, um, you know, after the, the deaths of Nina Poppet and Tony McDade to be able to match Black trans people with Black trans therapists, at, you know, for a session free. And yeah. then, you know, and then Friday we did an episode about Drake yeah. <laughs> and all of the different identities that Drake has taken on in his music videos. And that was just one week. So, you know, we're able to be able to pass the mic to people who, who deserve to have it. We're able to tell stories um, in a much deeper way than I think than one would anticipate in a, a seven to eight minute range. And then also like Eric and I sometimes just like have fun. There was a great episode where Eric got a weave. <laughs> you can't see where it's at, but my man is bald. But he yeah. had a really fly weave. Look like Michael B. Jordan. I, I, I was, I was, I was doing all right. I was doing all right. I, I flirted with keeping it, but it was tight. It, it had Did to you go. practice your pat. I, I, <laughs> I was like, man, this thing is snug. I was like, wow. I, I just, I never felt so present with like. Well, it's like wearing a hat at all times. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> But uh, so, you know, expanding my horizons and hopefully, you know, showcase and, and rep for the brothers who said, you know what, I won't just put on the hat. I just I won't just shave off all my hair. Mm. You know, I'm, I am I want some tresses. I want them to blow in the wind, even if they were not mine. So. Uh, so, yeah, you know, but it's, it's dope to be able to do all those things, you know, where normally we would have had to kind of focus our attention on kind of like one topic per week. Uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been a challenge. But but as you know. As you can probably hear, it's been a fun one along the way. It's interesting. We were, you know, reading about your show in so many different ways um, for years now. I've seen it described as blackity black, lighthearted, edutainment, like all over the place. Right. But we know it to be all those things. But how do you all feel about how the show is described? Like when people say it's lighthearted, do you feel like, no, but it's actually super real and nothing is a joke about you know, <laughs> the black experience or like, how do you feel as the creators? Cause you know, as creators, you know, we're sensitive about our shit. Yeah. How do you guys feel about how the show is described and received in like mainstream media? That's a really good question. Be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Yes, yes Girl, Girl, such as our conversations with Raphael Sadiq, Kelly Rowland, Regina King, and Fantasia. You can check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, and Google Play. And while you're there, be sure to rate us and review us. See you next week. Bye.